Everyone, please stand with me once again as we read God's holy word. Turn with me in your copy of God's word to the book of 1 Corinthians. This morning we will look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. So hear now the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts, the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Indeed, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let us pray. Lord, great and holy God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would be gracious to us, that you would illumine this text of Scripture by your Holy Spirit, that we might understand what it means to have the mind of Christ, that we might indeed possess the mind of Christ and be given a new measure of your Spirit to understand the, the deep things of God more clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the major themes of the letter, this first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, is wisdom. Wisdom. Throughout this letter, the Apostle Paul is trying to shake the Corinthians out of their stupor, to wake them up to the fact that the world and its ways are still far too influential in their lives. Not only that, but the Corinthians' thinking is still overwhelmed by the concerns of the world. They've not yet fully given their reasoning capacities over to the Lord. They've not yet placed all of this under God's sovereign control, and so they're still bandying about thinking the same way that they did before they came to Christ. They're still trying to operate under the strictures and assumptions of human wisdom instead of conforming their minds to Christ and thinking in terms of godly, spiritual, and sanctified wisdom. This is the great contrast between worldly wisdom on the one hand and godly wisdom on the other that Paul sets up in chapter 1. While the gospel may seem like foolishness to the world, in the gospel, God reveals His power and His glory, His infinite wisdom, and His might. And in the gospel, God proves that those who rely on worldly wisdom are really the fools. 
And we see this especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the, discerning of, the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This word of the cross that seems like nothing but foolishness to the world is what Paul proclaimed to the Corinthians when he spent 18 months with them as he planted and grew this church. And this is that same gospel, this same foolish word of the cross that Paul is communicating and declaring to them once again all throughout this letter. The the Corinthians forgot what Paul had said to them. You and I so easily forget what we hear, don't we? Someone will say something, and it goes in one ear and out the other. We can hear something once or twice or a thousand times and still forget it. Please don't ask my wife if I have this problem. When Paul came to the Corinthians, they heard that true power and wisdom came from God alone. The true power and wisdom came through the Holy Spirit by the work of Christ, but they forgot. They fell back into those same old patterns of thinking that dominated their lives before they heard this glorious gospel, this glorious word of the cross. They fell back into the same patterns of relying upon worldly wisdom instead of relying upon the Lord and all that He provides for us through Christ. But in the same way, dear ones, you and I come here to church each week to hear the gospel declared to us from this pulpit. And yet, how quickly do we forget? We walk out these doors back to our daily vocations and we forget what God has said in His Word. We forget what is required of those who follow Christ. We forget too easily what it means to be a beloved child of God Most High. And so you and I, just like the Corinthians, need to be reminded. We need to hear again and again and again the precious promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need to remember what is required of us. We need to remember, as we see here in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 16, that we can no longer follow the sinful patterns of worldly wisdom because we as believers in Christ must have the mind of Christ. Just before our passage in chapter 2, verse 5, the Apostle Paul shows that 
lives and hearts are not changed by human wisdom, but by the power of God alone. He says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That word of the cross, which is foolishness to the watching world, is the power and the wisdom of God. Christ alone shows us that true and better way, the way everlasting, the way that leads to life eternal with our blessed Savior. And so you and I, dear friend, must cling to Christ by faith. And by His grace and Spirit, we will be transformed more and more into the image of Christ, our Savior and our Lord. In our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul again attacks those false assumptions that the Corinthians had. He reminds them that human wisdom will not save, that having a worldly mind will only condemn them, and that they must be transformed by the power of the Spirit so that they have the mind of Christ and live always and only for Him. And this, as we've said, is what Paul has been doing since 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. He's been railing against worldly wisdom and saying, our hope isn't found in wisdom alone. So we might get to this point in Paul's letter and someone might stop him and say, hey, Paul, is there no place for wisdom in the life of the Christian? Aren't there whole books of the Old Testament called wisdom literature, Paul? Well, to these people who might ask, well, then what role does wisdom play in the life of the Christian? He writes verse 6. He says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But, he says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. All throughout Scripture, God's people are commanded to acquire wisdom and to avoid folly. We're reading through the book of Proverbs in our morning services. Even this morning, we heard about what folly says to those who would listen to her, to come away from the path of truth. We must stay in the path of wisdom And this pursuit of wisdom is a lifelong pursuit for the Christian. The book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 5 through 9, tell us clearly we must get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, that is wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. The Apostle Paul knows what Proverbs and other books of the Old Testament say. Paul is not antagonistic toward wisdom, but he is very much against human worldly wisdom, that wisdom which when it's distilled down to its essence is Nothing but utter foolishness, which of course is the exact opposite of true and godly wisdom, that wisdom that we must get, according to to Proverbs 4. And 
this worldly wisdom that Paul is speaking against is the, the wisdom that the Corinthians were relying too heavily upon. They were too confident in their own learning and understanding. They were prizing that kind of wisdom, which according to God's scheme is foolishness, utter folly. They were prizing that over true and godly wisdom. And so here in our text this morning, Paul is again reminding us that we must not trust in human wisdom, in human leaders, in human power. The rulers of this age, he says in verse 6, are doomed to pass away. No, instead, you and I must look to Christ alone. Trust in true power and wisdom that can only come from God. Because that's the only kind of wisdom that will last. And through that wisdom, through wisdom incarnate, as it were, Christ our Lord, only in Christ are we saved from our sin and our unrighteousness. Dear one, if you place your faith in worldly wisdom, which is doomed to pass away, you will, along with it, be destroyed. You will be doomed to pass away, as Paul says. The whole world around us wants to convince you and me that if you believe it, you can achieve it. We live in a have-it-your-way Burger King society, don't we? Whatever you want, whenever you want it. That's what you deserve, and that's what you should have. Whatever you want to do is fine for you, the world says. You don't have to answer to anyone for your decisions. You are a world unto yourself. The world, the flesh, and the devil would see us all driven by our ungodly passions and our wicked desires. That is what our great enemy is trying to get us to do, to follow nothing but our own passions, to follow nothing but our own sinful inclinations, to give in to every lust of our hearts. The world, the flesh, and the devil would have us ruled not by the Lord, but by whatever feels right for us in the moment. But that is the world's way of thinking. That is worldly wisdom. That is to be condemned. That kind of wisdom is doomed to pass away. But true wisdom, true godly wisdom is that which God reveals to us in Christ. And this wisdom is eternal. It will never pass away. And this is what we read about in verses 7 and 8, that this is the kind of secret and hidden wisdom which God decreed before, our ages, before the ages for our glory. This kind of wisdom was, was decreed before the world began. And the implication is that it will be here long after this world ceases to exist. This godly wisdom is eternal. It's the exact antithesis of the world's wisdom, which is fleeting and temporary. One uh, church father says of verse 7, where Paul says that this is a secret and hidden wisdom of God. He says, quote, Paul does not mean that he is now communicating in secrets and riddles, 
but that the message he preaches was once hidden. This is a a recurring theme through the letters of Paul, this mystery of the gospel. Paul is saying that what was once only hidden in types and shadows has now been fully revealed in Christ. And it's only revealed to those who have the Spirit of God, who who have, as we will see as we continue in this passage, it's only revealed to those who have the mind of Christ. Those who do have this kind of wisdom, that wisdom that can only come from above, are those who are following Jesus Christ. And we have the wisdom which can only come from God, our Savior. It's not that worldly-based and wicked wisdom of this present age, but instead the godly, glorious, and blessed wisdom of God Most High. This is the secret and hidden wisdom that Paul is talking about. It was promised to all who believe before the ages, before the foundations of the world, God chose His children in Christ and predestined them for salvation in Christ. And it's because this was a secret and hidden wisdom of God that the rulers of this age did not understand it. And so they did what they thought was best in their own eyes. They did, as the world does, whatever was pleasing in their own sight. And they performed, as Paul says here, shows here, they performed an act of breathtaking foolishness. They crucified the Lord of glory. Dear ones, the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be understood by sinful men by those whose eyes are blind to the beauty of the Lord, by those whose ears are deaf to the word of God, by those whose hands are lame and unable to do good works for the Lord. Natural man can know nothing of the saving work of Christ on his own. And the gospel was not understood by the people of this world. None of the rulers of this age understood that rejecting Christ as Messiah was rebellion against God. And the proof of that lies in what they did to Christ. They crucified Him instead of doing what they should have done, bowed down in worship to Him. But instead, uh, unless we, or we must not think ourselves better than these rulers of this age. We must all understand something very clearly. In our sin and rebellion, you and I all rebel against God. Without the grace of God, we too would reject Christ as Messiah. We worship the one true God in the way that He has commanded us to, not because we are special, not because we have something inherent in us that makes us able to discern the things of God on our own. No, we pursue wisdom as followers of Christ and are led into the truth by the Spirit, despite our finite human limitations. That's why as believers, we must all pursue wisdom. But we can't do this without God's help. And this is precisely what God has given to us in His Holy Spirit. He has given us help 
Instead of being ruled by the spirit of this world, all who are in Christ have received the spirit of God. So that, as Paul says in verse 12, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, Jesus prepares his disciples for his imminent departure by telling them about the gifts that he will bestow upon them when he departs, when he ascends to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, starting in verse 5, we read these words of our Lord. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has, has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Christ tells his disciples that he is going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit will help them discern the truth of God. The Spirit will give them wisdom to understand the word of the Lord. And all of these gifts of the Spirit come to us freely by God's grace. Again, not because of anything that we have done to earn them. They are given to all those who are in Christ, all of those who have been regenerated by the Spirit and who seek to glorify our Father in heaven. As Paul has been telling the Corinthians from the very beginning of this letter, the ways and thoughts of God do not make sense to the unconverted. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Preaching a gospel of a crucified Savior makes no sense to those who operate by the standards of worldly wisdom. It's only when we have that Spirit of God who supplies us with the wisdom of God that we can begin to understand the things of God, which are, of course, spiritually discerned. And this is one of those gifts that the Spirit of Christ has given to His church. By God's help, we are able to understand what was once hidden, those previously mysterious things of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit known as illumination. The Spirit is a spotlight shining upon Christ our Savior so that you and I and all who believe can clearly see Christ. The Spirit is also the illuminator of the Word of God so that when we study the Bible, we can understand what we read. Perhaps some of you came to faith later in life and you can remember a time when you read the Bible before believing in Christ. Likely, if you were to do this, you, you had very little idea of what you were reading. But after coming to faith in Christ, 
you are able to read those same words and understand them. Not fully, of course, but by God's grace, your understanding of Scripture has only grown since then. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. By God's grace, you have received and continue to receive wisdom from the Spirit of God who leads you and guides you, who shows you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who points you to our Savior. Each time we stand up here to preach God's word, immediately after the sermon text is read, we will pray that what's called the prayer of illumination. This is a historic element of the liturgy for our worship services that's been done throughout church history. When a minister stands in the pulpit to preach God's word, he needs the Spirit's help and guidance. And so we ask that the Spirit would illumine the text of Scripture. And we ask that the Spirit would illumine our hearers' hearts and minds so that we would all understand God's word rightly. Dear believer, you and I need God's Spirit to discern spiritual things. Without Him, we are helpless. and The Word of God becomes largely unintelligible. And this is what Paul is showing us here in these verses. Paul is getting here to the very heart of the matter. Especially as we read these words in verses 14 through 16. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In these verses, Paul is showing there is a clear difference between worldly people and Christians. The people of this world and the people of Christ operate on two completely different sets of beliefs and assumptions, presuppositions and attitudes toward life. This is precisely why the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Those who don't believe cannot hope to understand it on their own. It's only by God's sovereign power that non-Christians will believe. It's only by God's mercy and grace that he sends his spirit into the hearts of the, repent, the, the penitent sinner and makes dead hearts alive again. It makes us able to understand and discern the things of God. It's only through the spirit of God that we can understand the things of God. And when we have the spirit of God, we can understand, as Paul says, the things freely given us by God. We can understand the thoughts of God. On his commentary in this passage, John Calvin writes, nothing that is in God escapes the notice of the Spirit of God. Nothing that is in God escapes the notice of the Spirit of God. When we have the Spirit of God, there's nothing that God holds back from us. It's a glorious truth. Through the Spirit of God, we are able to know God. Man's chief end, according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But how can we glorify and enjoy someone that we do not know? Knowledge of God. 
that knowledge of God, which only comes through the Spirit, is a prerequisite for fulfilling that chief end. In order to know God, we must rely upon the power of the Spirit of God, who alone reveals those deep things of God to the people of God, to those who have been redeemed by the blood of our precious Savior, the Son of God. The great German reformer Martin Luther talks about what it means to be a new creature in his comments on Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15. That verse says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And Luther talks about what this new creation is. And he says this, quote, A change in clothing or other externals doesn't make a new creation, as some imagine. It happens through the renewal of the mind by the Holy Spirit. This is subsequently followed by a change in the body, limbs, and senses. For when the heart receives new light, new judgment, and new impulses through the gospel, the external senses are also renewed. Then the ears have the desire to hear God's word instead of human ideas and dreams. The mouth and the tongue no longer praise their works, righteousness, and rules, but joyfully praise God's mercy, which was revealed in Christ. These are not merely changes in words, but real changes. They include a new mind, new will, new senses, and also new ways of behaving. The eyes, ears, mouth, and tongue not only see, hear, and speak differently than before, but the mind itself resolves and follows a different way of living. When the Spirit comes and regenerates our hearts, when we repent of our sin and turn by grace through faith to Christ our Savior, our hearts are made new and our minds are given renewal. And our minds must be renewed by the Spirit. We must have that mind of Christ and then all the rest will follow, all the other promises of God, all the other sanctifying work that He is going to do in our hearts come after our minds have been changed and we're able to, by God's grace and through the work of His Spirit, discern the deep things of God. Dear ones, if you are in Christ, your whole self is being renewed day by day, even while your outer body is wasting away. But in order to be renewed in the whole person, as we are commanded to do throughout Scripture, our minds must first be renewed and transformed into the image of Christ and by Christ. This renewal and this transformation can only take place, though, by God's grace alone when we come to faith alone in Christ alone. Christ, our blessed Savior, that eternal Son of God, came down from His heavenly throne to take on human flesh, to live and to suffer and to die and to rise again for you. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it's the power and the wisdom of God. to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And this word of the cross, this gospel of 
foolishness, the gospel of a crucified Savior is for you, dear one. Christ, in his word, is given to you. Repent and believe in Christ. Receive the promised spirit. And by God's grace, he will renew your mind. He will give you wisdom. He will allow you to have that great mind of Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for your spirit who illumines your word, who is the author and the infallible interpreter of Scripture. Thank you, O God, that this Spirit now dwells within all of us who would have the mind of Christ. We pray that we would live ever in light of the truth of your word as we read it here, that we are no longer bound to think according to the ways of worldly wisdom, but that instead we can rely upon wisdom of God, which comes from the Spirit of God. We pray, O God, that you would point us to Christ our Savior and bless us in Jesus' name.